Welcome to In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga Training. I'm your host, Harriet, yoga teacher and founder of Nourish. Today, I'm joined by Kate Ryan. Kate is a holistic physiotherapist, clinical data scientist and yoga therapist based in Oxford. She started out in academia doing alternative energy research and has a PhD in chemistry. However, she left in 2014 to retrain as a yoga teacher and later as a physio. While academia gave her some fantastic life experiences, Kate wanted a career where she was able to help people more directly and share her love of movement. I had a really wonderful time chatting with Kate. We talked about scope of practice as yoga teachers, how yoga is not a complete form of exercise, and the journey we go on with practice. I can't wait to share this episode with you. I think there's some real important nuggets in there if you're a yoga teacher or a regular practitioner, and I would love to hear what you think. So do pop us a message. You can find how to contact us in the show notes. Right, here's my chat with Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Harriet. Welcome to In Our Experience. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me. I'm really, I'm really excited to have a chat with you. So we are going to get started, as I do every episode, by asking you what's nourishing you this week. Um, and to help you out, I'm going to, I'm going to share my nourishing thing first. And as I sort of tend to say, this can be silly or serious. It doesn't have to be very big. Um, but my nourishing thing is that since I think maybe the end of January, I've been making more of an effort to teach cover classes in Oxford. Um, And I've really been loving it. It's nice to teach people in person. And I know that sometimes as yoga teachers, cover classes get a bit like Mm poo-pooed. But I love like rocking up, teaching a class, having a fun time and then leaving. (laughs) Just defying expectations and giving people something new and Exactly, yeah. And, And not being tied down to something like weekly in my schedule. Um, So it's been really nice to be teaching in person in that way. And I've found that, I found that quite nourishing. How about you? I think, well, there's a couple of things. So the sunshine that we've been having this week (gasps) has just been gorgeous. And then just feeling the longer days. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just feels like that sort of decompression after winter and just kind of expanding into that sort of days and not feeling crunched up under a coat and things so yeah very much that and also breakfast in bed Um, oh yeah so it's not necessarily a big breakfast but normally I'm I get up and I'm I'm on and I I do stuff and then I have breakfast a bit Mm -hmm. later but what's really been working for me recently is just very slow start to the day breakfast in bed and then when I can just kind of easing out into the day a bit more gently it's uh, nice nice. what's your what's your go-to breakfast um at the moment uh some pineapple and a protein yogurt (laughs) i really like pineapple pineapple is great it's kind of find it very good for the digestive system yeah it's got all of those enzymes Mm -hmm. enzymes in it well i like this because i'm a big fan of breakfast but i'm also a big fan of slow mornings like i really enjoy having space in the morning just to like ease into the day like you're saying rather than feeling like I have to be somewhere at a specific time to somebody else's schedule um yeah I almost exclusively refuse to schedule anything before 10 a.m that's very reasonable you know, mm. it's just yeah. having that space at the beginning and just to set yourself up and know what you're going to do and I think it makes for a much more maybe productive isn't quite the right word but sort of 
wholesome I, yeah <laughs> yeah I feel like I have better perspective on my day when I've had that time at the beginning because otherwise I'm not having that pause to notice what's going on notice what I need to do it's just like into it and I don't enjoy that Wow, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, so I'm keen to hear a bit about your background and how it is you would describe what you do. Okay, so I guess I've had quite um, a checkered background. Uh, mm -hmm. I started off as an academic. I've got a PhD in, in organic chemistry. Um, and then I worked in research for a few years. Um, and then after a while... I just got stuck in an area that didn't really feel very productive or like it was making an impact on people very much. Mm. So um, I'd always had a very consistent yoga practice right the way through from my late teens and started to think, okay, well, maybe this is something I, I can do either alongside or maybe this can be a career change. So I kind of retrained as a yoga teacher mm -hmm. and stepped away from the, the lab work I was doing and got a part-time job at... Uh, the Blavatnik School of Government. So I was doing a little bit of uh, on HIV research oh, cool. and e economics. So that was that was interesting. And then from there, as I sort of developed as a yoga teacher, I was thinking, oh, I would really like to do more therapeutic yoga mm. and sort of help people. And I'd had my own journey where yoga had helped me quite a lot with a physical problem. But I realised that I needed medical knowledge and mm. underpinning to do that mm. safely and, mm. and well. So uh, I kind of took the plunge and went back and did um, my physio degree. Wow. Um, which was definitely challenging, but very worth it in, in the end. And then I came out of that uh, and started working in a clinic and also building up my own practice. Mm -hmm. And then um, lockdown hit mm -hmm. lockdown number one hit and yeah. I was furloughed from that and I ended up being headhunted by a digital health company oh cool which was which was great so they were looking for a physio and also somebody who had numerical experience and a PhD so I was mm -hmm. like well that, that fits that fits yeah so um started working there and so I, I worked there four days a week it's remote working which works obviously very mm. well during the pandemic and mm -hmm. then I fit my physio practice in around that and again I, I do that from home which gives me a lot of flexibility and mm. I really really love that so in terms of my physio practice um, I like being able to give people time so uh, my mm. sessions are an hour it's kind of unhurried it, I think being in a home environment is very relaxing for people. Mm -hmm. It gives me lots of time to assess people from in different ways, look very holistically about what's going on for them and then really come up with something very tailored and bespoke for them to help them kind of get better and get where they want to be back to. Mm, well, and I can say that as a, a patient of yours for physio, I can highly recommend uh, Kate's wonderful services. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and it is really nice being in being in a home as well. When I see a, when I see my chiropractor, it's also in his home, um, and I think it's a nice it's a nice space to be in. It's much more relaxing. In a sense. I wonder if there's any studies, this is a very random thought, about like nociception like in clinical settings versus home settings. Like is your experience of the treatment more painful mm. in a clinical setting versus in a home? 
That's a really interesting question. I, I don't know the answer to that, no. but I'm going to go away and look that up now because I, that, that could yeah. be very interesting. If you if you find something, let me know. I will, I'll send it through. I, yeah, because I wonder, like, because you're, you're primed to sort of feel a certain way or expect a certain outcome if you're in a clinic, in a sense. Um, mm. Anyway, just a red of thought. Um, oh, it's so interesting. Like, I think you're... Your your pathway into you know what you're doing I think is really fascinating. I have a chemistry degree. Do I'm you? not sure if you know I this know, about I me. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I have a chemistry degree, um, but I was an inorganic chemist, so we can be rivals. Um, I almost managed to do my entire chemistry degree without doing the organic chemistry module, and then my supervisor was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> You need to do this. And I was like, oh, I really, because organic chemistry was just not my vibe. There was too much carbon. I was like, where are the metals? Just give me the metals, give me the catalysts. All of yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want the pretty colors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but I think there was something about how, I don't know, there was something about how chemistry invited me to sort of view problems or view situations that I do really, do really value. Um but yeah, I don't. I didn't want to be a research chemist. It's fair. It's a it's a unique calling, I think. And yeah. you have to really love it. And at the the point where I left yeah. that, it was very much that the next stage would have been applying for permanent positions and yeah. things like that. And it was, I just didn't love it enough to get through all of the the politics and mm-hmm. the, the the things that d- don't work. Because inevitably, when you're doing experiments, yeah. things don't work a, a, yeah. a lot of the time. A lot of the time. And, Most of the time, and, yeah, in, in fact. fact yes. Um, <laughs> another, another thing that I came across, a friend of mine... Um, who was above me, like two years above me. So she went on to do her PhD and actually her work is really interesting. So her research was all about like vitamin D and sunscreens. Um, And now she works as a, as a cosmetic chemist for like Shiseido in Japan. It's amazing. I know. Very cool. Um, But I think it was her that told me that like female chemists have like, you have a reduced life expectancy by about a decade if you work in a research lab because of all your exposure over years and years to all of the, I I have no, I I don't know where she got this from, but it really stuck with me. And then she was like, imagine the fertility issues. And I was like, oh, like, and then I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it very much depends on the kind of chemicals that you're you're working working with. Yeah. um, I know one of my undergraduate supervisors from an undergraduate project, she had some issues because she'd been working with a lot of heavy metals and Mm -hmm. she was at the time wanting to become a mother and thought, "Mm, actually, I'm going to change, change the chemicals that I'm working with just to to be on the safe Safe side side. with that. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's entirely reasonable. And like, I I mean, people need to be doing that work. Like it's, you know, research is important. We love research and we love science. But at the same time, I was like, "Mm, I don't really want to be coming into contact with things that can like mutate my genes on a daily basis. Yeah, Yeah, that's very fair. (laughs) Um, Wonderful. Well, that was a that was a fun tangent. <laughs> um, but bringing it bringing it back to yoga, I guess I'm curious then about how you first came to yoga and sort of what your what your personal practice and then teaching practice has looked like over the years. Um, yeah, so it, it's really evolved um, and gone in very different directions over over the years. Uh, so I started when I was 
17 or 18. Mm -hmm. And I was really just looking for something that yoga was still quite new then and that there were the vast number of yoga studios and accessibility there. So I, I got a, a Jerry Body, Jerry Halliwell yoga DVD. Oh my goodness, I remember this one. From HMV and that was my start for, for yoga. I and um, I kind of enjoyed it and I was like, well, you know, there's something, there's something to this. And so then I got another yoga DVD um, which is more of an Ashtanga style. There's a section in that Jerry, Jerry Halliwell yoga DVD where she's like, my teacher told me, this is my Jerry Halliwell accent. <laughs> <laughs> my teacher told me that I was doing Ujjayi breath automatically. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Jerry. And then she's like, oh yeah, it burns more calories. If you yeah, you're that. like, oh, <laughs> maybe... Maybe yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. It's probably not a DVD that's aged well in the current no. climates. But, you know, it was, it was a start. It was a foot in the door. It, it got me yeah. going. And so then I had a rotation of about five Ashtanga Yogi DVDs mm. with Rodney Yee. Ah. And I really enjoyed his, his style. I, I enjoyed the, the, the power of his style. And that took me right the way through my undergraduate mm -hmm. degree. And at the time I had no desire to ever set foot in a yoga studio I was just doing the DVDs very happily in my bedroom kind of by mm. myself and then when I started my PhD in Oxford I there was a yoga society and one of the girls she was a qualified Ashtanga yoga teacher so there were yoga lessons in mm -hmm. college so I started going to those and it's like oh this is this is very different mm. going in a, in a group setting and having adjustments and mm -hmm alignment cues that are things that I've been doing not quite so well for years because mm. you, you can't really see yourself practicing yeah. particularly well so I really enjoyed that and just kind of continued on and I, I really had a daily daily yoga practice throughout my PhD and kind of combined it with with running and, mm -hmm. and things like that and so I moved to America for a year after my PhD and, and continued there and then got more into sort of hot yoga because it was very popular over there mm. at the time. And then when I moved back to Oxford, was became very involved in hot yoga and Bikram yoga and the very kind of power, strong mm -hmm. practices, which worked really well for me at the time. Mm. And and then I became ill. Okay. And I had a, a really bad kidney infection. <clears throat> that landed me in hospital. Wow. And then after that, I was left with a lot of chronic pelvic pain, mm. which as someone who was, you know, super active all yeah. of the time, it, it hit me really hard and my energy levels just kind of plummeted. Mm -hmm. So it was really sort of working out, okay, well, what can I do? And it was very much that the hot yoga did not serve yeah. me well and prior to that just prior to that kidney infection I'd, I'd done a done my first yoga teacher training with Tony Sanchez in Mexico which was great and that was a, um, the starting of a step away from hot yoga because he was yeah. uh, a much gentler approach sure. and then while I was going through this chronic pain issue the studio owner where I was teaching at the time she said oh we need a yin teacher. Yin yoga was starting to be yeah. kind of on people's radar and, and becoming mm -hmm. quite popular in that time. So she said, well, why, do, why don't you go and do the training? So I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So I went off and I did my first training with Norman Blair mm-hmm. at that point. And I wasn't really expecting to get anything from it other than another yoga teacher yeah. qualification and, you know, that I was going to then teach yin yoga. But what actually astounded me was over the course of the three days that the teaching was, the training was on, Norman teaches in a very experiential mm. way. So he put, put you in a position and then like talk about it and then you're mm-hmm. like, relaxing. And I realized for the first time in a very long time, I was relaxing my stomach muscles because that, mm. that just hadn't been a thing and that the pain was slightly less and it was like there was a window that I could see that's like okay maybe this is a route out of the out of the pain that I've been experiencing Mm -hmm. because prior to that I'd had tests and everything everything had shown up normal Normal. Mm -hmm. and then the the last medical appointment that I had was just like oh well you know it's there's nothing more we can do for you. We're just going to start you on chronic pain management. And, you know, I was 28 at the time. It's mm. just it's so young to be just yeah, so almost yeah, like, yeah. it felt like I was being thrown on the scrap heap. Yeah, sure. Um, so then having identified this window with, with yin yoga that, you know, I could make a change within my body, I could change my pain experience. I, I worked with that and was able to move mm. out of, out of the, the chronic pain. Which was wow. uh, an incredibly powerful thing to do, and then very much influenced my desire to teach yoga more therapeutically mm-hmm. and dovetail with with the physiotherapy as well. Oh, wow! I feel like that's a very like whatever whatever sort of inspires that shift. I feel like that's quite a common shift for people for people to experience in practice, where they start. I know it's certainly true for myself as well. You start quite dynamically. And then over time, you shift into the, I don't know, gentle is not the right word, but the the less dynamic, um, slower, you know, more... Nourishing. Nourishing. Fact, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, more nourishing forms of practice. Um, I'm also curious, maybe you could speak a little bit about how, if at all, your relationship to your practice changed through your physio degree? Because I'm sure, like, you, like, like, I imagine that if I did a physio degree, it would really make me think differently about what I was doing in my asana practice. And I wouldn't, I don't know. They kind of influenced each other, actually. Okay. But um, talking about how physio influenced yoga first. So I guess I went through a phase, particularly at the start of my physio degree, because I was still teaching yoga mm-hmm. during that time, where I became very anatomy focused, very alignment mm. focused, very hyper aware of perhaps any injury risks okay. in, in postures or yeah, some sure. postures that might be riskier than others which it was it, it was almost a um a restricting on my mm. on my yoga t- yoga teaching and something that I didn't welcome as okay. as much so I then had a tried consciously to move away from that and not be quite so so rigid so it was something that I'd noticed within my mm-hmm. my classes and, and within my own practice as well and I was like actually mm. you know you can you can chill out Relax about this. A it's not bit, yeah. it's not quite that. It's life or death. But the other thing that it 
really empowered me to do because I think as yoga teachers we get lots of people coming up to us at the end of class or sometimes we get people coming up mm. and they're saying oh I've got this issue oh I've got this mm. issue and what can I do to fix this one and what mm. can I do to fix that one and mm-hmm. it was very much that scope of practice oh thing. yeah and prior to doing my physio degree I'd be like oh yeah well you could try this or you could you could try this or mm. whatever and while doing my physio degree and and since it's empowered me a lot more to just to say actually my role here is as a as a yoga teacher mm. and you need you should probably speak to a healthcare professional yeah. about that and not trying to over overstep. overstep yeah i think that's such an important important message it's something i talk about in in my trainings a lot with students i'm like you are a yoga teacher you are qualified to talk about yoga yes end of story yeah you're not a therapist, you're not, not a doctor, you're not a physio, mm-mm. you're not a nutritionist, like, you know, know, know what your scope of practice is. Because scope of practice is also there to protect you as yeah, the teacher. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's your boundary that students need to learn and, and respect as well. Um, what I often say to students is, you know, if, if a... If a, if a student comes up to you after class and they're like, my wrist hurts. And I'm like, does it hurt in any specific yoga postures? So you sort of, you, you bring it back to like what you can talk about, which mm-hmm. is, you know, if they're like, oh yeah, in plank pose, you're like, well, maybe you want to bring your knees down and reduce the load or, you know, put blocks it's underneath under the wrist. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm like, bring it back to something that you can actually offer them advice about and then say, oh, and go and talk to a healthcare provider. It's you know, you assistant know. thing yeah, or, or, or whatever. Exactly. Um, but so many, I mean, I've certainly been in some situations where like maybe you're in a room and somebody doesn't realise you're a yoga teacher and the, the other, you, you know, you're going to somebody's class um, and I mean, there's this shit that some yoga teachers come out with. Oh, it's, 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 Yeah. It's interesting sometimes, but... I know. And I'm like, I just... I think we carry a real desire to, like, be the helpers and then also to, like, be... To, like, like, I don't know, prove ourselves, to prove that we know things. And I'm like, oh, like, we could just leave all of that. But... Yeah, yoga itself is of enough value. Just teaching that without needing to be everything else as well you oh know? my goodness <laughs> thank you this is what I say to people when they're like I want to I want to teach yoga and I want it to help people who have anxiety or lower back pain or whatever I'm like they're like what poses should I teach what should I how should I change how I teach yoga and I'm like don't just teach yoga yeah mm-hmm. it's helpful yes full <laughs> stop you don't need to sprinkle like extra dust on top of it to like make it meaningful for people's lives and it, but if you do want to do that and you do then get the appropriate companion qualification mm. to do it with, don't just Google it, Google it or make it up on, on the fly. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, people, it's wonderful. At the same time, I do think there is this interesting like over, I don't know what the word for it, like the like there's this over expertising within yoga as well that I sometimes find quite challenging where it can almost feel like if you, if you're going to go and, you know, 
I think it's more population based perhaps than like condition based, but like, I'm like, oh, if you're going to go and teach, you know, I don't know, I don't know a good example, but like I've, I've, I recently had a student email me and be like, do I need to go and do a teen yoga training before I go and teach teenagers ever? And I was like, look, nobody's making up these rules. Like right. yoga is an unregulated industry. I was like, probably what I would say to you is like, go and figure out if you're interested in teaching teenagers first before you invest in a teen yoga training. Absolutely. Um, Because like dipping your toe in is not the same as like jumping in, you know, and getting yourself fully wet. Yeah. You know, like I had, you know, I've had some experience teaching kids yoga. Um, I am not interested in teaching kids yoga. I have no desire to do a kids yoga training. I think it's great. I want people to be doing it. I just don't want that to be me. It's just not not it's for you. It's not for me. And that's fine. There are there are many facets of yoga. There are exactly. many different populations you can teach it to. So it's just really working out what serves you best as a teacher and where you feel that you have the most to give. Mm, um, I, I think, think that's a really that's a really good way of of putting it. Um, so. You sort of implied there as well that maybe your yoga has also influenced your approach to physio. Yes. Um, And I guess that is the point at which from where I practice physio now. So going into physio as an as an older person Mm. with with my yoga background, Mm -hmm. it made me look at things differently. It made me question more things Mm -hmm. not to kind of trash talk any physio courses I or mean, anything trash like talk that away. but physio courses are very set up for training physios to go and work in in the nhs yeah. that is that mm-hmm. is what they are yeah. there for and working within the nhs framework and the machine and, and all of that and the nhs is is wonderful and i wholeheartedly admire the people that do yeah go we and love work the, in NHS. the nhs but there are a lot of constraints because the nhs is under, underfunded, mm-hmm. short-staffed. There are constraints in the way that people practice mm-hmm. or uh, can practice mm-hmm. or and the emphasis that is given on practice, which which is fine and that, that that's necessary. But for me, I knew that I didn't ever want to work in, in the NHS and I was like, you know, there, there, are, there have to be other ways of approaching this and approaching care and I think there's space there for people to offer a breadth of different types of care. And yeah, so it's very much, very much that. Um, it was, I guess, quite natural. Some of the branches of physiotherapy involve breathing exercises. So I found it quite nice and easy to teach certain breathing exercises as, as part of that, because mm-hmm. I talk about breath all the time. That's what I do as a mm-hmm. yoga teacher. So that was a very positive um, mm-hmm. influence on that. And also, I think, coupled with my own experience of you know, when you can kind of come up against some very dogmatic medical practitioners that are just mm. like, well, you know, we can't find anything wrong. So, you know, chronic pain and, and, mm-hmm. and off you go. And I think it's like, I, I never wanted to be that clinician. Mm-mm. And I always wanted to allow space for grace. It's a little bit of a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's that 
sense that there are other ways and treating somebody very holistically and looking at softer ways of treating things can be incredibly beneficial, especially when you're dealing with somebody who has a very complicated history or a very, um, a very long-term condition. Mm. Then there could be different routes in to yeah. helping them find yeah. relief sure. or get back to what they're wanting to do. Mm, I just really like the sound of that. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I have fallen asleep while you've been treating me before. <laughs> so <laughs> I can attest to the like the soft and gentle approach. <laughs> I mean, that is unusual. There are, there, are often, there, are, there are often squeaks when I'm treating people as well. I yeah, say. I mean, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oof, that's tender. But I, yeah, I think in this particular moment, I was lying on my front and I was just like, like. You know, you've got like the the pressure of like the headrest on your face, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was out. Um, just grounding. I was just in 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 the zone. Um, oh, I mean, it's it's really lovely. I guess it's really refreshing and really lovely to hear somebody who is in a clinical or in a therapeutic role thinking about these things. And yeah, um, I'm very curious to know what are your, cause I'm assuming you teach a lot of, you treat a lot of yoga teachers. I do. Yes. What are like, obviously without sharing any specific or identifying details, I'm very curious, like what are the common things that you see yoga teachers coming in with? Mm. Like top three. Top three, I guess, hips, mm. um, overstretched hips. and overcompressed hips are a reasonably common one Um, so uh, sometimes neck and shoulder as well Um, so I guess those are really my my, my top Top two two. okay Um, sort of yeah hips and and a little bit of of lower back but but neck and 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 shoulders as well and I think often as Yoga teachers, and I'm going to say something a little bit maybe controversial now, but yoga is not a complete form of exercise. Correct. It really isn't. It really isn't. It is wonderful in many ways, but it is not a complete form of exercise. Mm -mm. And if the only thing you do is yoga, then um, I would strongly recommend you complementing that with some resistance training. doesn't have to be, you know... 100 pound bench presses in in the gym or anything like that but just just some solid lower body resistance training maybe some throw some enjoyable cardio in in Mm -hmm. there whatever it's also very push based so we're on our hands so complementing that with some pull based stuff rows pull-ups whatever just to create that rounded fitness which is so important for a, a happy body especially as yoga teachers because obviously it's very repetitive. It's very repetitive. Often we can just demo one side and then mm-hmm. it's sort of moving on, on to the next thing. So it's really supporting your body to be able to cope with the demands of mm-hmm. teaching yoga. Yeah. Because it is, it is demanding. People think it's super chill. Um, but and it, and it can be sometimes, but yeah. also it can be pretty intense and exhausting sometimes as well. Yeah. So sort of mm. looking after yourself to that. I really love that advice. I think the other thing for me as a teacher, um, actually my friend Corey once pointed out to me, she's a yoga teacher as well, how sagittal yoga is. Mm. So the sagittal plane is like the front plane of the body. Forwards to backwards. backwards. Mm. And a lot of vinyasa yoga is just forwards to backwards, forwards to backwards, forwards to backwards. And ever ever since she pointed that out, out to me, I'm like, oh, so I really also make sure to explore the like, 
side to side or like the diagonal planes of the body as well. Um, I find that really helpful. Plus, I couldn't agree more. A little bit of resistance training never goes astray. And I know that for my own um, my own injuries, um, of which there are many, um, then it, it always helps when there's some resistance training going on. Yeah. And I think also people maybe sometimes worry that it will reduce their flexibility, the hard one flexibility. That's not my and experience it, it, at all. It, 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 rarely, it rarely does um, what it will do sometimes do is actually increase your flexibility yeah. because if your body feels safer, safer then it will allow you to go further yeah. but you have to work at that end of range stability sometimes to mm. achieve that feeling of stability and support for the body mm. to then allow it to mm. go further go deeper <laughs> thank you everybody needs to hear this if you're a practitioner and um, well that ties us quite nicely into our question from our audience this week which is around sort of daily weekly I guess routines with yoga so if you if you wanted to you could tell us a little bit about what your daily or weekly routines are yeah so uh, I guess I have a very fluid relationship with yoga these days mm-hmm. as opposed to when I was younger where it was very much of a daily practice you know, mm-hmm. it would be an hour and these days I view yoga more as a toolkit. Mm-hmm. So I do some form of physical activity every get every day. Mm-hmm. That might be yoga. It might be a hit workout. It might be some kickboxing. Mm-hmm. It might be going for a walk. Mm-hmm. And it's really looking at what serves me best mm. at at the time what my body is looking for am I feeling energetic do I feel like I need something um, strong and powerful to get the Mm. blood pumping and Mm -hmm. and all of that or do I need something much more calming and grounding do I feel that maybe you know I've spent too much time sitting at a desk and I really need to stretch out and open out and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes I use exercise as a mood shift Mm -hmm. quite a lot so you know if I'm feeling a bit blue Mm. then like a dance-based workout just to kind of get the good vibes going but it I view it as all part of my practice because it's all within that sort of mindful movement Mm -hmm. but it's just filling into into different aspects of that yeah. yeah I couldn't agree more I think like having an intuitive approach to it rather than a rigid approach so it's like you're responding to the needs that are arising for you in that day or that moment. And then also seeking variety, I think is really, is really important as well. So yeah, similarly to you, I think like, like the real secret here is that yoga teachers don't do that much yoga. Possibly not. Sorry. (laughs) You know, when I started my yoga teacher training, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm going to do yoga all the time. I'm doing yoga all the time. I'm going to do it. And actually it's... Yeah, I think think people think like yoga teachers wake up every morning and we do like an hour and a half of, you know, physical practice. Mm, No, not not the vast majority by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I think for me, I do, yeah, I I meditate more regularly than I practice asana. Um, And then, yeah, mix it in with weights and pilates and cycling and all sorts of bits and pieces again Um, that's that varieties for a a healthy body and exactly a rounded fitness which is great and yeah i think meditation is goes with that sort of movement towards a slightly more nourishing slower in depth practice and 
Yeah, for sure. It's sort of it's almost like the um, Norman has a Norman Blair has a great mm. line on this. He's like, yeah, the vinyasa, the hardcore stuff. It's like the gateway drug, mm-hmm. and then you kind of gradually kind of wean people down onto yeah. the um, the meditation and then the yeah, softer yeah, stuff yeah. And, and the pleasure of the stillness. If you yeah, like. I agree. I think I think if you're looking for like a a way to review your daily or weekly habits around yoga, then it's really about looking at like what your needs are and letting go of the idea or the expectation that you have to do the same thing every day because it doesn't serve you. Yeah. Riley. Unless every single day is the same for you, in which case it probably still wouldn't serve you. Variety is the spice of life. Exactly. Um, well, we are at the end of our time here. It goes so quickly. Wow. But um, where where can our listeners find you? Um, they can find me most often on Instagram. So um, my... Instagram handle is Kate Ryan underscore Fizzy Yoga. I see what you did there. <laughs> Just creating the blend. Uh, I also have a Facebook page which has a, the same name. Mm-hmm. And my website is kateryan.biz. Lovely. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes. Well, Kate, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> Great. Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out, why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.